welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. Well, hey there, this is Curtis Campbell. We're back for yet another episode of the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. I'm certainly excited to be here. I'm joined by one of my favorite people, Mike Tippetts, as well as one of our subject matter experts that also happens to be on our team as well, and that's Tim Tang. We had a great article that he recently penned talking about autonomous checkouts, or for those who don't know, maybe frictionless checkouts. I mean, it's referred to a lot of different ways, but there's an article he, he penned called, Will Autonomous Checkouts Bear Fruit Only With a Better Way to Quote-Unquote Go? So if people understand Amazon Go and the quote-unquote Go, they'll kind of understand the theme of where we're going with this. So Tim, based on your experience and your opportunity you've had to be able to speak with a number of retailers, both face-to-face as well as at conferences, one of the topics we hear a lot about is Amazon Go, right? Or this whole concept of frictionless checkout. So what's wrong with that? You know, it's interesting. The retailers today, when you look at the business concept of retails, one of the big driving factors here is the significantly rising cost of labor. With minimum wage climbing across the country, retailers are hard-pressed to saying, how do I create a compelling customer experience with the resources that I have today. And when you think about for $15 an hour, you can buy an awful lot of technology. Amazon Go is intriguing in the idea of saying, can I create a frictionless experience for my customer? They can walk in, walk out, and essentially grab what they need and be done with it. And so I think there's a grand vision that's kind of portrayed and kind of illustrated in the deployment of Amazon Go. I think that the question for retailers right now today, though, is to say that what is their version of the Amazon Go experience that they're trying to create for their customers and how might that be relevant? What Amazon Go has done is very unique and very appropriate, I guess one could say, for Amazon. But for your common C-store operator, retailer, it borders on irrelevant to some degree in terms of the methodology in place that's done by Amazon. No, I, I think it's very, very much a matter of what is it exactly that you are trying to be, okay? And I'll say this, and you'll say, well, that's because of the price of the merchandise or anything like that, but Apple will never want to have zero people in the Apple store. Apple's whole thing is you walk in, you're greeted, you're treated well, you have a human interaction. And there are other brands that are trying to emulate that. Amazon with Amazon Go is trying to recreate a physical instantiation of the web experience. You can walk in, take care of yourself and get yourself out just like you can on the website, only you've got instant fulfillment right there. So I I think it's all about the type of environment or the type of experience that you're trying to do. What I like to be able to go to a C-store, gas store, and pull up and have the thing recognize my vehicle by some RFID, be able to pump the gas and pull away without ever having to do any kind of interaction with credit card, with pay, with anything, absolutely I would. Do I want to go somewhere where I'm looking for help, where I'm not sure what I'm going to buy and have it be frictionless? No way. I want the interaction. You just highlighted exactly what the pain that people have as well as they walk into a store, especially like an Amazon Go or something that has this autonomous checkout thing, or they walk into that store knowing exactly what they're going to buy, right? So the practical application for this in other spaces may be somewhat limited, but Tim, you talk about there's a couple of things that maybe those who have chased this autonomous checkout may have gone wrong. And one of the things is there, and there's far too much equipment involved. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's interesting when you look at the Amazon Go experience, right? They'd 
literally hundreds of cameras. I mean, think about the sensors deployments. Everything is censored, right, from a visual perspective in terms of trying to monitor what the customer is doing, uh, the sensors in the shelves, sensors above. It's a very heavy technology footprint. And that works for Amazon because they're dealing with, you know, a prime subscriber base of customers that are very much aligned with the brand and are technically competent and can enjoy the experience. When you compare that, though, to the average C-store today, the 150,000 C-stores across North America, that's not the situation that you're seeing. These are not high-tech environments, nor could they ever really aspire to be able to support or sustain a business model that would require that magnitude of technology. So then when we think about the broader C-store industry, the question now becomes, well, what makes sense for them? And I think what's really kind of interesting now is that when we look at the second or third or the next generations of the quote-unquote Amazon Go-like experiences, what we're seeing is efforts to kind of optimize the technology footprints, to try to replace, dramatically reduce the number of cameras, the number of sensors, so that we can get to an operational model that would actually be viable for a much broader population as opposed to just a handful of flagship locations. I think part of what we're dealing with right now is And let's all admit, this is a nascent activity, right? But I think they're trying to to prevent shrinkage or fraud or theft or whatever you want to call it, as well as provide that frictionless. Because candidly, I think about the frictionless environment. I think about a library. I can walk in there, pick a book off the shelf. They don't need to know that I picked that book off the shelf at that moment. It's just when I'm exiting the store or the library that they need to know what I have with me and then track that, right? You know, we're experimenting right now. We're trying to figure that out and prevent some fraud and some theft and also create that experience. You know, Tim, one of the questions I had, too, is, I mean, you've been to hundreds of conferences in your tenure, and many of them have probably been focused on aspects of this autonomous checkout or this frictionless checkout, or there was a reoccurring theme throughout those. So the question I have here is, what set the stage for this transformation, right? Because... We all go to the grocery store on a regular basis. We all shop on Amazon on a regular basis. We all shop on e-commerce sites, right? So what set the foundation of this so that ultimately Amazon made this strategic decision? At the risk of being, you know, mistaken for Tim, um, I'll say this. <laughs> he, he touched on it early on. What's pushing it is the cost of labor. Okay. Okay. And I think it's a mistake for any business owner, but particularly retail, to simply sit down and say, my labor costs are going up, therefore I must reduce the personnel. Because what you really need to sit down and do is establish value for the dollar spent in labor. If your labor expense is going up, you need to increase the value you are receiving from that labor. And for me, that's an investment in the people. Okay, yes, I'm going to pay you more. And by all means, I'm in favor of making sure that people can earn a living wage and don't have to work four jobs to do it. So not only do we increase their wage, but we train them and we train them and we support them so that they can do something that is worth 15 18 20 dollars an hour okay fair enough i like that i would add to that that when we're looking at a a new model for retail right and i think the newness of it or the novelty factor should not be underestimated right it is intriguing and it's fun to have to do something that really hasn't been done anywhere before so there is a a season right now where we're enjoying the novelty factor of an amazon go like experience there's also a robustness though to the business model with that magnitude of sensor data information, 
Amazon is able to collect an enormous amount of data about what customers are interested in, what they're looking at, how they go through their thought process, how do they make a decision. They're getting an order of level of, of insight into the customer journey. And, you know, as we talk about data is the new oil in today's retail world, it's an opportunity to learn far more about what the customer is truly interested in. That can affect all aspects of the business, not just what's happening in these few dozen go shops, but understanding, getting deeper insight as to kind of what is the customer thinking and what is it that they're looking looking at and how do they make their buy decisions and the like. So we have a new model, if you will. The novelty is, you know, should not be underestimated. It's, it's very attractive, but it's also being able to learn more about the customer and what makes them tick and what makes them buy. That's incredible. That really, right there, you made me stop and think, yeah, you know, when I'm shopping online, I put something in the cart, I take something back out of the cart, I make. I change my mind, I move around. That's all being tracked. We know that. Now, that makes sense for the sensors, right? I picked up this, but I put it back. Or I didn't wind up taking it, didn't wind up leaving the store. Maybe my earlier postulation about it being all about preventing theft, it's actually, let's just find out what that journey is. What are they changing their mind about? What are they doing? How are they moving through the store? In every activity, it's not just I picked it up and I held it for five seconds and I put it back. I picked it up, I held it for five seconds, and it made me smile. I can gain sentiment. I can gain response or engagement from the customer. It's the idea now is that now I have a measure of how do specific products engage my consumer too as well. Did I smile at it or did I frown at it? Did I take the time to read the label or did I actually just say, uh, look at the picture and say that this is from a marketing perspective what I need? Now I can understand how does my packaging, how does my presentation of the product affect my customer buy? So with all the data that the, a company like Amazon will be collecting on shoppers' behaviors like this, are they sharing this back to people they carry product for? I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, because that to me is also just as compelling as the journey that they're developing of the person in the store is how do they determine the right things to carry in store? And so maybe touch on that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I would say my first gut instinct is knowing Amazon, of course not. Amazon is collecting this data for Amazon, and they are maximizing their ability to use this data for their own benefit, not only as it relates to uh, what they're learning about different marketplace partners in terms of what customers might be interested in, but also uh, how it shapes their own inventory and their own Amazon-branded type products uh, too as well. So yeah, it's a little facetious to say, yeah, I'm sure there's some of the data gets shared and the, and the like, but I think there's no mistaking Amazon's motivation in this. You put that massive, you make that massive of a, an investment into infrastructure, into these ghost stores. It's to collect and to have that advantage of, I understand the customer better than anybody else. For whatever reason, they have the capacity, the technology, and the resources to do that. I think what you'll see over time is that your traditional brick-and-mortar retailers will start to take advantage of some of that technology. They'll kind of watch, learn, and then take advantage of the pieces that they feel are relevant and can afford. I tell you that one of the reasons why I've taken this kind of attitude toward the data priority, if you will, is in looking at other like Amazon Go-like experiences. So there have been a number of retailers that have actually kind of come out with their self-checkout, their autonomous versions. And it's been very creative when you look at all the different types of solutions that are deployed. You know, what's interesting to me is when I go into these environments, particularly these uh, pilot stores, and I come alongside the customers waiting in line and try to encourage them to adopt the solution and how they respond, so many of these customers are saying, you know, that credit card swipe is actually pretty convenient. You're very hard-pressed to come up with something a little bit more convenient than walking up to a counter, you know, dropping your coffee and your donut, and then walking out, or getting your cigarettes and walking out. And so the idea here is that 
the buying experience, the labor, when I think about the labor impact of an Amazon Go store, just watching the sheer number of people, I don't think they've saved. If not, they've probably increased the labor required to actually pull off some of these store kind of type concepts. So when you think about that, it's not really achieving a labor savings. It's not really necessarily achieving a customer savings. Then what is it achieving? Well, it's achieving, it's teaching Amazon everything about the customer in that store. So I do think that there is a, another side or another dimension to the go factor where that's, that it's all about data. Data is the new oil. Data is the gold that we're looking for. He or she who understands the customer has the advantage, if you will. But then there's the other side, which says, hey, you know, we are looking at not knockoffs, but iterations of an Amazon Go that are much lighter in their technology footprint, have a, a slightly different engagement, and actually are probably more relevant to that wider broadance of 150,000 C-stores that are out there in North America that they could be actually using too as well. Based on your feedback on some of these questions, I'm guessing that you, and, and feel free to keep me honest, that you don't see that Amazon Go really at its heart is the future of autonomous checkout. So what is the future of autonomous checkout in your mind? I think it's going to be an iterative process. I think Amazon Go is version one. And Amazon Go, as alluded to earlier, it really satisfies that data is the new oil need and giving a new insight into the customer. As we look at the subsequent iterations, version two, version three, we're going to see a lighter technology footprint. I've been very impressed with like uh, other startups, like a Zippin, for example. You know, it's a it's an, literally an order of magnitude fewer cameras. And same idea, sensors on the shelves in order to be able to create a very similar kind of Amazon Go-like experience. Standard cognition, their implementation is fascinating in that there are no shelf cameras. And by leveraging AI, they are able to get with fewer cameras, a more accurate and more synonymous experience or more retail real world experience if you will amazon go is a very manufacturer it's more like a vending machine right every product needs to be at the right place in the right shelf with the standard cognition i've got ai basically monitoring all the activity because you know in a real c store the products never end up in the right shelves they get taken off by a customer put in the wrong place and you need a system smart enough to say that hey the candy bars uh, from this shelf were actually put over there and understanding exactly what they're holding in their hand even though their fingers are covering up three quarters of the uh, the wrapper too as well. So it's exciting to see the subsequent iterations that are going to also provide a lot of rich data, but also start to crack the, the practicality of autonomous checkup and making it more available to the masses, if you will. I think that's spot on, Tim. I think that whole data concept is a very, very impressive viewpoint on that because I would argue, again, as I said earlier, that... Apple, when they opened the Apple stores, they made a pretty frictionless checkout. There was no checkout spot. There was no cash register. You were greeted by someone who helped you, and you said, I'd like to purchase this. They take your credit card right there with the device that they carry with them, and they went and picked it up out of the back room for you, and away you went. You know, that's pretty darn close to frictionless and almost self-checkout. So I think depending on the environment, and that data viewpoint is, I think, just very, very amazing. So, Tim, I'm going to, for lack of a better word, role play with you for a second. I'm coming to you as a, as a person that believes that you have a wealth of understanding, which I genuinely do, just for, for the record. But the question I have is, let's say I'm a 100-site convenience store chain, and I want to try and mimic at least aspects of this. Where does one start? Hmm. You know, what's really intriguing is you start with what you already have. 
So many retailers are sitting on a wealth of point-of-sale data that they're doing nothing with. And so when we talk about the advantage of an Amazon Go, it's about understanding what your customers are actually doing and leveraging the insight that is actually already embedded in that data that's available to you today. So what's remarkable about it is you can actually make meaningful jumps and improvements into your business by leveraging something that you already have that's an unused and unappreciated asset, which is the point-of-sale transaction data that's taking place today. So I think starting there in terms of first moves or first steps is looking at it's not about hundreds of cameras and shelf sensors and the like, but it's leveraging insight, customer insight, and leveraging the data that you have today. Before you go looking for more data, start using the data that you already have access to. That's good business advice in general. (laughs) Yes, it really is. I mean... You've had a loyalty card program for how many years? Mine it. Get in there and figure things out. And if you take that and somehow mix it with POS for time of day traffic and everything else, no, I think that's a very, very good piece of advice that that our listeners who are sitting there saying, oh, I can't afford to do what Amazon does, but I wanted you – get your loyalty stuff out. Get going. And if you aren't getting a good return on your take-up of loyalty cards or loyalty swipes – put a program in place right now that encourages your customers. Let Amazon work the kinks out of this more technical, high-end stuff for a little bit longer, and you just take advantage. Of that. that was well said, Tim. Take advantage of what you already have. I can't think of a better way to wrap up this episode than just finishing up on that. So, Tim, your insight is awesome, and thank you very much, Tippets, for joining us as well. And we certainly appreciate you tuning in to listen to us for yet another episode of the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, and look forward to you tuning in again. 